What up, what up? Welcome back to the Pod episode. I don't even know. I think it's nine of the Pod. This is your host, Sean Galati, along with two homies, two co-hosts. First, we got Samir DaCosta. What up? And Peter Prionis. What up? What up? And we are back after this last week. I think it was week nine. And we finished up. I think we're now seven and two. Beat Maryland on the road. Uh, beat them quite nicely on the road. And now we're back to give you the game recap and a little bit of the implications moving forward for Michigan football. Uh, so we're going to take this pod back to the glory days of our original formats and just do it going straight down by by team. We'll start with special teams. We'll go to defense and then we'll go to offense and then we'll talk about larger implications. Did you want to say that? I have uh, I have nothing to add to that. That's a very good format for this podcast. So Perfect. Yeah, let's get rolling. All right, let's do it. All right, so we'll start with, I think, the most fun play of the game uh, this past week. And we'll start it off with special teams then. Um, so game started off with an opening kickoff. I think, well, first off, I mean, we almost forgot to say how we spent the <laughs> actual game. Woo. And this is one time I think we all shared the same experience. So right. just, who wants to say what we did? Uh, we were hanging out at a, at a friend's house. Shout out to friend of the pod, Matt Gordon. Yep, shout uh, out. Had us all over, and uh, we watched the game. Well, I missed the, actually missed the kickoff. I was at home still. But we all got together, had some pizza, had some uh, some beers, and some uh, some good fun watching the game together uh, as, a, as a trifecta pod. That is accurate. It yeah. was, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, it was a perfect Saturday. Can confirm. It was a <laughs> great Saturday. Got the whole squad in Chicago back together to watch the game. Uh, one thing, so I was actually the only person there for the opening kickoff, oh, right. which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, so opening pick- kickoff, let's just start it off and going game recap. So special teams, kick it off straight to Giles Jackson on the right side. Uh, he takes it up basically the right sideline, 97 yards to the house for the touchdown. A uh, couple awesome things about that play. One, he was barely touched. I tweeted out, I think it was two-hand touch. I think he would have been stopped. Mm-hmm. But that actually might not be true. I think the kicker may have only gotten one hand on him. And so he took it out to, back to the house basically mm-hmm. untouched. And one thing in particular I want to mention on this play that was so beautiful was Mike Barrett was on the opposite side of the field. He ran straight over to Giles' side and like straight up pancake this guy, giving him an open lane to the house. Right. I think uh, the announcers focused on Devin Gill having a really good block, which he did. But I think the Michael Barrett block was actually more impressive. And the good thing about this kickoff was, I mean, it just felt like the game was over about five seconds into the game. I mean, Maryland isn't really a good team this year. And obviously us coming off that emotional big win against um, Notre Dame. And it seems to like, obviously, at this point, we have a really outside shot of making the Big Ten title. I don't think anyone expects us to, the way Ohio State's playing. But it's nice to, you know, not have a letdown against Maryland after we had such a good victory against Notre Dame. So Dallas just kind of shut the door on us, uh, you know, having a letdown. Yeah, it definitely felt like the game was over before yeah. it started. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and one thing, just shout out to Giles. That was an awesome play, uh, him getting right. to the house. I think these true freshmen now, back-to-back games where Mikey scored in the last game and uh, uh, Giles scored in this game, which is just awesome for those true freshmen to get in the get in the end right. zone uh, early on in, in, this, in their playing yeah. careers at Michigan. So enough with that play. Do we want to talk about the kicking situation? 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so shout out to Quinn Nordine. He hit his first field goal of the year. Exactly. Um, again, we're not talking extra points because he's had a bunch of those. But 38-yard field goal. And it feels good just because obviously Jake Moody was someone that we expected to take hold of that position. But it seems that he started to get the yips now. And Quinn Nordine hit that 38-yard field goal. So, you know, heading into um, – Obviously, Michigan State, Indiana don't necessarily seem like the toughest opponents, but, you know, against Ohio State with such a prolific offense, it's nice to maybe have some sort of stability at kicker, but we'll see. Well, do we have stability at kicker? That was going to be the point I brought up was, so Moody was, like, clearly leading the way the whole way beyond these 50-plus yard attempts that Nordine was getting. And so moving forward, now it seems like we kind of have a question because – uh, Jake Moody, he missed his field goal attempt in this game. Yeah. Quinn Nordine now has an attempt in less than a 40-yard game, and he makes the kick. So do we think – what do we think our kicking situation is moving forward for this season? I think it's not going to settle down. I think we're going to make some kicks. We're going to miss some kicks. We're going to have uh, both kickers on the field, and it's probably going to frustrate us at some point, but I don't think it's going to cost us a game at this point. So yeah. – uh, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. I just think it's I, – I think Moody's been bad for – this is his second game now, and Nordine's been kind of bad the whole season, so it's nice to just, like, have a kicker make a kick so yeah. we have a little bit of confidence heading into Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State. Yeah, agreed. All right, that's enough of special teams. I think the the only one <laughs> – one more special team thing. We that's did have that uh, fake uh, fake punt. Yeah. which Michael Barrett ran it. Um, he kept the ball and ran it for, I don't know, like five or six yards. So it's like kind of cool to see Michael Barrett get all this attention. He kind of came in as like a Swiss Army knife, started, started on running back, moved to middle linebacker. You know, early in the year he had that pass to Daxon Hill off the fake punt. So kind of cool to see him get this recognition. And I think he's going to be our Viper next year after Khalid graduates. So kind of cool to see him get this attention. For sure. Side note, I think we now referred to three different players on this podcast as Swiss Army Knights. We started off with saying Dax Hill was a Swiss Army Knife. Yeah. I definitely said Charbonnet was a Swiss <laughs> Army Knife. We just have a team of Swiss Army <laughs> we just got What other kinds of Army Knives are there? I don't know, but the Swiss... I mean, we've got so many Swiss yeah. ones <laughs> on our team. It's unbelievable. Yes. These Swiss seems like the best type of army knife, so it's nice to have those. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you're going to have any army knife, it's yeah. good to have a lot of the Swiss ones. All right. Let's switch it over then and talk about the defense. Uh, obviously, a solid game by the defense. Didn't finish the game with a shutout, but, I mean, got pretty damn close. 38-7 uh, to 7 was the final score in this game. Any big... themes that jumped out to you on the defense for things that look good in this game or pretty much more of the same in my opinion but yeah more I guess more of the same too they had Maryland had two drives um, one at the end of the first quarter one at the start of the second quarter where they kind of drove the ball quite a bit one of them ended with the Dana hit and Mattel's pick one of them ended with a missed 37 yard field goal so nice to get those stops but a little bit concerning that Maryland was able to drive the ball like that. I mean, again, we shut them out in terms of defense. Obviously, a yeah, special team yeah, gave exactly. up a touchdown. Um, but a little bit concerning. But it's nice to see them like tighten up at the end of you know after those two drives. So that was good to see. Um, yeah, our defense was playing really well since that Ohio State game. Yeah, and I mean the Penn State game at the start was kind of rough, but like towards the end, you know, I think we shaped up. So good to see our defense playing well. For sure. Yeah, I think my biggest question is once we get to a team like Ohio State who's running some of those crossing routes with a lot of this, 
the Swiss Army knives in space. Uh, <laughs> are we are we going to be dinking and dunking uh, and keeping them out of the end zone, or are they going to blow by us and score? Um, yeah, I think that's a good question. I, the only thing I was going to say about this game was when you play a game for sixty minutes, uh, even when you play a bad team those teams are going to get extended drives and it was great to see the defense capitalize and cause a turnover on the one play and force a right. field goal on the other play. So I think that was a great showing by our defense in this game. They did what they needed to do against a, a bad Maryland team on the road. Uh, as far as Peter's point. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the big question now. Uh, we've, so we've played three of our five, ba- five big games this year and first two, obviously not so good. And then our last one being in the Notre Dame game. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what you want to make of their offense overall this season, but the defense is trending in the right direction. And I don't think we'll have a good answer (laughs) as far as how Michigan will play against a good offense until we play the Ohio State game because we don't have any good offenses left on our schedule until the Ohio State game. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just going to be a big mystery. And obviously we know that Ryan Day was offensive coordinator last year when we got uh, just straight up (laughs) smacked smacked, uh, on our as far as defensively goes. So and he's still around in Columbus. Obviously now they're head coach. So we'll see if we've adjusted to the crossing routes. We will see if we've uh, if we can handle elite speed that Ohio State has, but I mean I think we're not going to know until that game. Yeah, I, I mean I completely agree with you. I think the important piece is going to see how Daxon Hill plays and how much he plays, just because Ohio State's receivers just have so much speed that I mean if he isn't you know out there running with them down the field, I don't think you know I don't think Hawkins Metellus can keep up with those players. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Anything else on the defense before we switch it up? Um, I did see Chris Hinton get in that game, and it wasn't like garbage time. He was in the game like a little bit earlier than I expected. I see. I think Don Brown talked earlier this week in his presser that him and Mozzie Smith were like on the cusp of playing more. So good to see those true freshmen getting some run in. You know, even if against, even if it's against Maryland. Yeah. Uh, so one thing about those two guys that I think is interesting is. So Mazzy, to me, especially uh, enrolling early, I thought he was going to get a lot more playing time than he is now. I think that actually speaks more just towards our depth in the senior classes and less more, less so about him in particular. Chris Hinton just seemed like he, he came into school and not in shape, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So, I mean, I guess it was good that he got in the game for sure. Um, hopefully he gets uh, more uh, experience moving forward. Hopefully he just can get some better shape. But <laughs> just, I mean. Right. Not to body shame people, <laughs> but uh, his appearance just on the sideline just doesn't, he doesn't seem like he's in shape <laughs> relative to the other guys on defense. Sideline reaction. Sideline reaction. Yeah, we ta- we uh, bring our own to the games. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's switch it up then on to the offense. Uh, definitely the most interesting part about this team uh, in terms of how they trended over the course of the season uh, and definitely continue to be that way this game. So why don't we start off uh, the offense? Well, first, any general thoughts on the offense? We can probably break this down by position group. Um, I think our I, – I guess I expected more from our offense. Maryland's been a pretty bad team defensively this year. And, again, I know it's saying, oh, well, we put up 38 points, but I don't know. I guess I just expected more. Like, we only took one, you know, shot downfield, that one that Nico caught. And uh, I don't know if you listened to, like, the athletic podcast that uh, Austin Meek and Nick Baumgartner did, but their Tuesday podcast talked about, like, you know, what if you threw the ball five times down the field to Nico a game? Like, 
if he gets two catches, he'll probably get pass interfered twice. One gets like dropped. Like, I mean, that's like such a good percentage. And I feel like just like reflecting on the offense as a whole, like even looking back in like the past two or three years, when we have like these elite playmakers, I feel like we just don't take advantage of them, which is one of the more frustrating things about our offense. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great point, especially when you know a play has been working. Uh, I think you've got to exploit that play to mm-hmm. the point where the defense adjusts enough that they're taking that play away from you. It's like going back to the days when we had Jake Long and Mike Hart and we just kept running to the left until the defense shifts enough to that mm-hmm. side that it, that it, yeah. that they're not getting punished anymore. And when you have a guy like Nico Collins who is uh, elite and as a pass catcher as a whole, especially on these deep balls, I, I agree with you. I think you got to test the opponents more in that way. It seems like... Uh, when Michigan gets up early, we tend to ease up on the pedal. So I think that part played against us mm-hmm. in this in this particular game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. We're not like an air raid team. When we get up on our opponent, we just like to pound the ball and just let make yeah. them make them feel you, as Don Brown likes to say. Yeah, yeah and I think I think along with the Nico uh, throwing the ball to Nico, I think that um, you know the way that our offense operates is that these plays that should be typical plays are saved to be so infrequent um, that they're not like they're they're used as trick plays and so like if you're getting 55 yards every time you throw the ball deep to Nico Collins you're probably not running that play w- enough because they're not they're not keeping it honest same with the, yeah. like the, the quarterback keepers if you're getting 20 yards every time Shea keeps the ball then he's probably not keeping enough and so I, I think that's like the kind of thing is like these should be incorporated into your offense mm-hmm. so you have to keep teams honest yeah I mean even if it's like once a quarter right but like I mean, I don't know what too much is, but I know right now it's too little. Like yeah. one shot is just too little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think deep shots in general are too few. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mikey burning down the, the sideline or Giles burning down the sideline for a deep shot would be an interesting play call. Uh, DPJ, DPJ going deep yeah. obviously has proven we did that one really memorable play against Michigan State last year. We threw a deep to DPJ. Um, yeah, I think our deep balls in general could be done way more than they currently are. And they just open up everything. Like when we started r- running these bubble screens against Notre Dame, it just opens up the entire middle of the field when you start spreading these defenses out. And if you put a guy, if you, if you make a safety stay honest on a deep ball repetitively, then he's just going to stay less honest on the running game, and he opens up the running game a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I 100% agree on the deep balls in particular. But um, what else did you guys think about this game? What did you think about Shea's play in terms of this game? I don't think I learned much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more of the same. He had a couple good throws. He looked underwhelming. Um, the offense on the whole looked a little over- underwhelming, yeah. like you, you said, Samir. I, I mean, I I think that there's a component of let, let's – you know, not try to blow up the score against Maryland and put everything on tape, but there's also not a lot of confidence that, you know, we were really off the, off the pedal. So um, I think the most promising thing, and we talked a little bit about this before the pod was the consistency and the performance across the running backs. That's the thing that I think stands out to me and maybe translates most moving forward is we had a, a number of guys score and a number of guys look really good with the touches they had. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I want to like, I think our running backs, were the highlight of our, I mean, have kind of been the highlight of our offense over the past couple of weeks, especially with like the emergence of Hassan Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been running really well. You know, shout out to Zach Charbonnet. I believe he just broke the Michigan uh, freshman rushing touchdown record. Yep. And I mean, he has three more games. He's going to build on that, which is going to be awesome. And the other person I want to shout out was True Wilson. Like, he had a great run for a touchdown against Notre Dame. 
and he had another one really good long run this time. I believe it was like around uh, 39 yards specifically. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> give or take. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, good to see him. I, I believe he's a senior. Um, good to see him get that run in. I think, you know, when you and I did this podcast to start the year, we weren't nearly sure how, many, how much run True Wilson would get. And I think we thought um, – uh, Christian Turner would get more run, and he did have a run early in the game then kind of never saw the ball again. So I think our running back stable is solid for the you know for the near future. And we got some news earlier today. Well, on Twitter, we don't really know what's happening, but it seems like Chris Evans might be coming back to the team next year. So yeah. that'll just be like, you know, another... Uh, Swiss you know, Army bolt. knife, you yeah. might say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I... I don't think anyone out of the backfield has been really catching the ball that much this year, and he definitely has good hands coming out the backfield. Black, coming out of the backfield, so uh, yeah, nice, uh, nice weapon to add to our offense for next year for sure. Uh, yeah, I think our stable of running backs is overall just very impressive. Uh, a lot of we've got like seven Swiss Swiss. <laughs> we got like seven running backs. Maybe we should just recruit only Swiss Army. Swim, uh, Swiss Army. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Cesar yeah. Ruiz is the ultimate Swiss Army knife, if you think about it, though. How so? Well, he can play center. He yes. probably play left guard and right guard. He could probably be like the refrigerator if you <laughs> want to give him handouts. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, I'd put him in a full Yeah, we yeah. should. <laughs> All right. We'll email Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, anything else on the offense before we want to talk about larger implications for the team then? I, don't, I think you want to talk about a little bit about Dylan McCaffrey. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, this kind of plays into the, the broader implications for the season, too. And I think that um, this is really the first game we saw him uh, in garbage time against an opponent that the game was really over with. I think the Notre Dame game was probably over by the time he saw the field, but it was you know, a rivalry game. You don't, you don't want to put him in too soon. Um, I was a little bit surprised with the, the, how late it was in the game when, when Dylan got in. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Dylan, and there was a point in the season where I was okay with him taking over the reins if he was healthy. Um, but I think that based on what we've seen, um, he's really in a backup role. And not that he um, isn't going to be a talented quarterback in the future, but he only got a few, maybe one or two uh, uh, drives in. I'm not really sure. Um, but didn't do a lot, didn't look bad, but didn't look great. Um, and I just think that's a signal that he's really not going to be uh, a quarterback of the season, um, barring injury to Patterson, obviously. Do you think we'll have a true quarterback competition next year heading into fall camp where um, we're like, you know, I think right now it's pretty clear that Dylan is the number two and Milton's number three. But I think that Milton just had so much room to grow from where he started coming to Michigan versus Dylan. And he has, it looks like he's been proving a lot. So, like, you know, I kind of told this question to you guys. Do you guys actually think we'll have a QB competition next fall? Or do you think we'll have, like, just one in name and, like, at the end we just kind of expect Dylan to win it? Uh, I mean, I think this sounds cliche, but I truly believe every position group on the field is a competition when they start camp. Although I will say, just based on I – don't, I don't think it – you don't go into the next season's competition. Uh, the coaches are human, so you don't go into the next season's competition on a totally blank slate. They go to it, go into it knowing your game experience. They go to it knowing how you 
how you fared in the camp the previous year. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I mean, I fully expect it to be a competition, not to just kind of cop out of your question, but I also fully expect Dylan McCaffrey to be to win the job next year. Uh, it will be a little bit of an interesting one-two punch though next year because this year it seems like yeah, Shea has some wheels, but clearly. Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton have the better wheels out of the three of them. Um, so in terms of that, I think Dylan and Joe are more of a more of similar quarterbacks, despite how how much better we think Dylan, how much more polished I should say Dylan's arm is relative to Milton's arm. But um, yeah, I do think it'll be a competition next year. I do think Dylan McCaffrey will win the job, but it'll be interesting. Like I think we see kind of a little bit of a change of pace when Dylan comes in the game in terms of him just wanting to like lower his shoulder and kind of like maul these guys. But if for whatever reason, if we see Joe Millen in backup situations next year, or if he just if hopefully we don't experience an injury to Dylan McCaffrey next year, if he gets extended playing time, I think we'll see more of like a similar type of a play set between the two quarterbacks next year. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing is. I wonder if one of them loses the QB competition, they transfer. To Cade? Uh, <laughs> sure. Or JJ. <laughs> uh, but because I, I, I wonder if they transfer because like I think Dylan would be hitting his fourth year and Milton would be hitting his third year and like both of them could probably just grad transfer out after the year. So I don't know. It would be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, you've got you've to make it an honest competition because of that reason, right? You, <laughs> right. I mean, you've got you've to make – Milton think he can win the job. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I agree that Dylan's been more polished and, and obviously is getting the second rep, uh, second team reps now, but I don't think, I mean, I don't think Dylan has looked good enough to say that he's for sure going to, going to win the job next year. Right. Um, I think Milton's got a lot of raw talent and they've both been with Gaddis as long as the other. So there's, there's sure. not as much of a, of a, you know, learning curve advantage for the more senior player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I do think it'll be interesting, especially because, as you said, uh, Dylan McCaffrey will have two years of eligibility ahead of him starting next year. So theoretically, if Dylan wins the job early enough, uh, do we see Joe Milton enter the transfer portal? Portal entirely possible. That's why I do think it's in a, in a few of the games that Dylan's gotten playing time this year. It has been interesting that Joe Milton has also gotten playing time in that same game. Uh, and I think they're just trying to show love across the board because in today's day and age in college football, you're just one tweet away from entering the, the transfer portal, <laughs> obviously. Mm -hmm. So. It, and based on Joe Milton's, not that Twitter feedback means that much, but it did seem like those moments meant a lot to him, especially his, his uh, passing touchdown and, and whatnot to Giles that looked really good earlier yeah. this year. So uh, I do think that matters, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Anyway, let's talk about the rest of this season. We've got one important game uh, two weekends from now, obviously, just given the rivalry game. Let's talk about that first, and then we'll skip over Indiana, I guess, and kind of talk about Ohio State. So let's make the rest of the pod kind of a prediction pod. How do you see us faring against Michigan State? I think we're going to win big. Um, I'm probably the least optimistic of the three of us on the outlook for the season and have been consistently, but I, Michigan State has looked so bad. <laughs> um, and I, I think that Harbaugh will not – I mean, he's not going to go into this game lightly – um, and our talent adva advantage is such that we really should be able to just keep things pretty vanilla on offense and and make some things happen. I know State's defense has been good, 
Um, but I really struggle to find ways to, I think a lot, a lot would have to go wrong for us to lose that game. Um, and it's the kind of game too, that if, especially if I don't expect Michigan state to lose to Illinois this weekend, but Illinois has been playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a possibility that, that the rails really come off in East Lansing if, if they did lose this weekend. Um, and I think that a 14 point lead early in the game against Michigan state could really turn into a blowout for Michigan. So I'm, I'm not expecting a blowout, but I'm, I'm expecting a comfortable win. I, I think I 100% agree with you on that. Um, I expect Michigan State to beat Illinois, but I think there's a possibility that they lose. And if they lose that game, I think I would change my prediction from a comfortable win to a blowout. Um, I mean, it just came out that, not just, but Michigan State's middle linebacker just got suspended for PED use. Yeah, that was um, their but offense. Apparently he apologized, but then he's appealing it. Right. So I don't, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. It's great logic. And then his uh, Michigan State's <laughs> best receiver daryl stewart he's injured for the illinois game i mean i don't know if that you know you know football injuries are they don't really release that much information but i don't know if that's gonna you know even go further into the michigan game and if it does i mean you have an anemic offense who's losing like i mean it sounds weird to say like their best playmaker because it doesn't seem like he's doing much but uh i don't know i mean if if they lose that illinois game i think michigan state probably packs it in for the year and kind of quits um, so in that case, I would still be a blowout. Um, but yeah, I, ex- Michigan, I don't see them losing this game. It'll be tough. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with both of you. I kind of agree more so along the lines of Peter. I, I think we're going to rock him. Um, it's possible. The only thing I think that goes, ag- that goes possibly against us and I think this will be a closer game is that it's a rivalry game and that sure. history has shown that those games can be closer than what you predict. Uh, especially even, even if the go- game going into it is predicted to be pretty lopsided. Um, but aside from that, they, they look terrible this year. Uh, their offense looks flat out horrendous and our defense is kind of, uh, trending up in the, this season and it's at home and we're coming off a bye and they're not <laughs> like, yeah. I just don't think like all those other reasons make me think we're just going to house them, especially because, uh, Jim Harbaugh just like, I think he realizes the importance of this game, especially given how, uh, how he's fared against this team mm-hmm. compared to what he could have, especially. Yeah. yeah. He, he, ta- he is actually Owen two in the big house against Michigan state. Yeah. So two and two, against two and them. two and all four of them in road wins. And I think I would have been less optimistic if we had lost to Notre Dame and, you know, kind of been like, okay, our team's out of the big 10 race <laughs> and they've kind of just like, you know, packed it in, but credit to our team to like showing up against Notre Dame, you know, blowing them out, you know, going to Maryland on the road. I mean, I know Maryland isn't good, but like going to a team on the road and just going up like 35, nothing. So I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a blowout. Like I think I, I think the Illinois game is going to be closer for Michigan state than the Michigan game. Interesting. Uh, I'd agree. I mean, Illinois, Illinois is possibly going to be bowl eligible if michigan state loses this game to illinois there's a possibility that they don't become bowl eligible. <laughs> yeah exactly because they got games i think they have games against us illinois uh they have illinois us which i mean if they go and two there i believe they still have Rutgers. i don't and know what their Mar- last game maryland's there and maryland uh, yeah. well they'll probably be bowl eligible but like <laughs> still it's like but to, man. Give, to give you a sense i mean their best win right now is uh, home against indiana by nine <laughs> And, um, they, and, I mean, that score was actually not indicative of, like, 
Indiana had a good shot of winning that game. Sure. Which I think – so I would say Indiana would be a tougher game against – for us against Michigan State, but Indiana did just lose their Michael Penix Jr. for the rest of the year. So uh, – I yeah. think, it's, think it's pronounced <laughs> Penix. No, it's Penix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean – they lost him for the year, so I think that would have been a tougher game for us. And, I mean, with losing him, I, I don't see how we lose that game now either. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but Notre Dame – I mean, not Notre Dame, but Indiana could have been heading into us with only one loss, which is pretty <laughs> impressive for Indiana if you think about Here's it. Here's my prediction. I think our this, this the score differential in the Michigan State game will be larger than the margin of victory in the Indiana game. Yeah, I think I agree with that, too, 100%. So I think the three of us are in agreement. Yes. <laughs> They're incomplete. Why are uh, we yelling at each other? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other thing I'll add to that is I just think the motivation, coaching perspective-wise, yeah. in terms of devising a game plan, is going to be so strong in that game. Mark D'Antonio is finally like on a quote-unquote hot seat, despite how well he's done for that program over the past 10 years. Uh, and Jim Harbaugh given a two and two record previously against Mark D'Antonio and given the hot seat against Michigan state, I mean his hot seat quote unquote hot seat would totally uh, like just disappear if he beats yeah, Michigan right. and has a three and two record against Jim Harbaugh. Like this is the defining game of their season to ho- in hopes of making it uh, somewhat of a successful season and right. giving those stakes. I don't think the coaches will overlook mm-hmm. that. And I think they'll come in wanting to pound that team. Do you think Mark D'Antonio retires at the end of the year? I definitely don't think he retires at the end. I don't think he'll ever retire. No, no. Okay, so I think that if he beats Michigan, I think he retires. Like he just gets that three and two against Harbaugh and says peace out. I mean, is that like an epic situation? Quote unquote, asked to leave, asked to quit. uh, No, (laughs) I just like handshake. So like, I think you know when we think to like the Lloyd Carr era is one of the reasons why like Rich Rats sucked was because Lloyd Carr kind of left the cupboard. Tell us how. uh, Bear, sorry, not bore. They kind of left the cupboard bare, and you know, Rich Rod is just playing so many freshmen and sophomores. And I think Mark D'Antonio is kind of in that position. His recruiting classes over the past couple of years have been really, really bad. It doesn't look like they've had that player development in terms of like you know they had Brian Hoyer, Connor Cook, and like <laughs> it doesn't look like a Lewerke, um has really been developing that much. And then, again, Rocky Lombardi, their next quarterback, I don't think he's developed either. So I just don't see – I don't see uh, D'Antonio kind of – I think he retires on his own just to not tarnish his, like, legacy at Michigan State because his past couple of years have been pretty rough. I mean, and if you go even further back than that, I mean, he won a Big Ten title. He's taking that team yeah. to, you know, the college football playoffs. He beat Ohio State on the road with, like, their third-string quarterback. He's done a lot of good things at Michigan. Well, he's done a lot of good things on the field for Michigan State. And yeah. I feel like if he just keeps going, his legacy will, legacy will just get more and more tarnished. So I feel like if he beats Michigan – has a three and two record against Jim Harbaugh. I think he can ride off into the sunset. So I think in that scenario, he does retire. Quick pushback. I think you're giving him a little too much credit on his insight. This is a guy who looked at the last season record and said, "We don't need to hire anyone else on our offensive staff." Yeah, that was bad. I I think that I think your logic applies if it were you or me coaching. Um, I think I, I don't give him that much credit. But like to add to that, so coaches that don't fire their assistants towards the coaches that don't fire their assistants when they do that badly usually retire because they don't <laughs> want you know they don't want to like bring in a whole new staff retire 
and then um, and then just leave their staff out to dry because if you retire, new coach comes in, replaces the whole staff. So like, I think that actually lends more to him retiring. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's switch it up then and move on to obviously the bigger rival, uh, the bigger opponent, the biggest opponent on our schedule, obviously, in Ohio State in the last game of the season. Uh, what are your expectations in this game? And do you see any change in the trend of the last like 15 years? So I think it'll be close, and I think we'll lose. And I think the closeness comes down to being at home. Yeah. And having, you know, if we can keep Shea Patterson healthy till the right. I mean, I don't I can't or like maybe not. <laughs> like if we can keep Shea Patterson healthy heading into that game, I think we have a decent shot of keeping it close, especially since we're at home. Jim Harbaugh hasn't lost at home. It would be the his last loss at home heading into that game would then be Ohio State 2 years ago. So, I think that kind of works for us, but I don't I guess I kind of see them wearing us down towards the end of the game and kind of taking control. Yeah, I I agree to the point. I I think that it'll be close for a quarter or two. Um it feels like to me like the kind of game that might be within a score or two at halftime. Um that's like seems maybe for some of us that we have hope to win the game uh and then it kind of blows open. I I think that our best hope really is a, is a, a nasty weather game. Like if we get yeah. some type right. of uh, divine intervention and get a little bit of uh, an even playing field in that sense, I think that gives us a shot. Um, but I just, I mean, I don't see, I don't see a way that we can keep up with their offense um, and our defense. I, I, I same same like I've said with the offense in the past. I have to see it to believe it to see that our offense or our defense can respond to what they throw it throw at us on offense. Yeah, I think their offense is so yeah. so talented. Uh, Justin Fields is throwing the ball very well. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is playing out of his goddamn mind. His his ability as a spread back is just like really really good for them. And their O line. I mean, they've recruited like talented positions on the lines for so, so well for so many years now, uh, they've just got, um, the ability to just maul us at the line. And I, I, th- I do think we'll lose that game as, as well. I totally agree with your point that I think being at home gives us an, an advantage. I totally agree with your point that hopefully we can, uh, throw in some strange weather that can throw them off their game. But other than those things, I do agree that we'll come up with a loss here. I'm hoping it'll be closer than previous years, but I mean, who knows? They're they're so talented. I think the only other thing that hasn't been mentioned as a point that could help us out is that I so I didn't watch the Ohio State Wisconsin game, but from the talk I've heard after that game was Wisconsin made it a point to get after the quarterback and get after Justin Fields. And I think if the remaining teams on Ohio State's schedule make it a point to do that, if they can lay some hits on Justin Fields before he comes into our game, that will be the only thing <laughs> like that you can make a big impact in this game, particularly because one week before our game is Ohio state, Penn state. Yeah. And Penn state obviously has a capable team that they can uh, get after these guys. And if they're coming off a tough, a tough battle against Penn state rolling into going away into the big house against us, like that could be a, a game changer as well. So, right. 
And the but one as thing, far as like yeah. just team versus team right now, I agree. I mean, they're yeah. the better team. I mean, the hardest road game that, and I think the one thing why I'm like banking on that home field is the hardest road game that Ohio State has played this year will have been Nebraska, who looks like <laughs> a pretty terrible team. I mean, they got Wisconsin at home. They're getting Penn State at home. So, you know, hoping – At Indiana. Well, <laughs> have they played Indiana yet? Yeah, they yeah. played at Indiana. I mean, again, Indiana's not – I mean, there's no way Indiana filled Nebraska. up that stadium. Better than Nebraska. Uh, I meant, like, in terms of, like, hosti- like hostility, pure, like, yeah. hostility. That's true. I'm sure Nebraska put up a bigger – at least at the start of the game, Nebraska probably put up a – a louder environment than Indiana. So, you know, hoping we don't sell like 20% of our tickets to Ohio State fans and, you know, that, yeah. I think the Penn State, the point about Penn State being the week before, I mean, it's going to be objectively a bigger game for Ohio State going into that Penn State game. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a reason to believe that, I mean, they could come out of that Penn State game with the ability right. to lose and still make the Big Ten title. Like, that, that, that could maybe play into their minds. But... Their lowest scoring output of the season was 34 points against Michigan State. Like, I don't see us scoring 35 points against Ohio State. Um, And I don't see us holding them to 34 either. It's just like, it's really hard to imagine. It's possible. (laughs) I I think it's unlikely. (laughs) I definitely think it's unlikely. But if we make it a point to get sevens instead of threes, it's possible. So the other interesting thing is... should try to get sevens. I I I agree. I think Penn State is overrated. It... They, they're good. Um, they, but they just came out as a number four team in the college football rankings. Yeah, and I mean, if they beat Ohio State, which I don't think they will, but if they do, Penn State actually would have. They wouldn't even have to play their last game. They would make it into the Big Ten title game because yeah. they only had one loss. They would have beaten Ohio State, and I mean that head to head right there gives Penn State like the you know the tiebreaker. So I mean. Yeah, I think like your point of like that. Maybe if they play, even if they, even if Ohio State beats Penn State, maybe they just have a letdown against Michigan just because of that like emotional component of like playing Penn State the week before. Well, yeah, and there's a there is some psychological impact of going into the Michigan game knowing that regardless you're going to make the Big Ten title game, right? And depending on how things have played out throughout the rest of the country, there's probably a good chance they're still in the top four even with a loss to Michigan. Yeah. And Ohio State does have one game a year where they just completely poop the bad. So let's hope that it's against us because it's it's always always on the road. It was like Iowa two years ago. It was Purdue last year. So, hey, could be us. Why not us? You know that Paul Rudd gif where he's like (laughs) opening that bottle? He's like, who would have thunk? That like, is getting so much run on Twitter. Yeah, it's I just, crazy. I, I think if we win that game, man, th- that gif would just that like gif <laughs> is gonna get Yeah, I'm gonna post it lo- every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> we have three Twitter accounts amongst the two Twitter accounts amongst the three of us, and they're both under your host. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and on that note, switch it up into the rap outro. Uh, I think we've talked enough about uh, the, the opponent, the upcoming schedules uh, before the rap outro. So I think one, I don't have a song again, so that'll be another surprise for this one. But the only thing I want to mention in the rap outro is how annoying is it? How stacked this Big Ten East is every every year and how abysmal the West is. And question for you guys in the rap outro, so make your answers a little bit brief, is would you guys prefer a system like the Big 12 where the top two teams just get into get into the championship game as opposed to doing these 
divisions like we do it. No, I, I, I keep the divisions, but maybe they can do some... I mean, like, the scheduling's not that hard. Maybe do some type of realignment every couple of years, like, based on performance. Like, that, that's not too difficult. Yeah, I think you, like, you do a thing where you keep Michigan and Ohio State in the same division just so that they always have... They always play each other at the last game of the year, and then you don't have that possibility of them playing again in the Big Ten title game. I wouldn't like to see that. But like, I don't know. I'd be okay with like, I would. I would too. I'd like to see us in the Big be, Ten title game. Yeah, I don't know. I would be awesome. I don't. I don't want to. I think this Texas Oklahoma like potential repeat thing just kind of like makes it even in spicier. I but think. that would mean us playing. I, I guess my whole thing would be teams. they play a full round robin in the Big Twelve. Right, but that would mean playing Ohio State two. If if that ever came to fruition, you'd have to play Ohio State two weeks in a row. Which I guess would be cool, but like, I don't know. I would hate to like beat them and then lose them like the week after. That would it's two suck. chances to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's One of two is better. Than I don't know. My thing is just, I, I would be fine with moving Penn State to the other side and then maybe giving us like, I don't know. Purdue. I think that's, Purdue. that's the only yeah. reason why I phrased it the way I did instead of reshuffling divisions because the actual geography of these teams, if you move Penn State over to the west, like that's just a huge night and day difference for them. But like the Big Ten network makes so much money that all these guys fly anyway. So like, I mean, whatever. Of. Sometimes they don't. But I mean. yeah, but if Penn State's playing every away game in the central time zone, it is a disadvantage. I mean, yeah, well, minor, who cares about that? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I, the thing that I makes personally it difficult. Don't. That's the thing that makes it difficult because we play Michigan State and Ohio state both times and if you move us to the west there's not you got to take some of those western teams and move them to the east or you just got to totally throw or, geography out yeah the window. i guess i would be fine with just completely throwing geography out the window and yeah i mean i yeah, mean we could, we could like name them leaders and legends yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it> just, yeah. <laughs> i think we should be in the legends division uh anyway all right we'll go ahead and end the pod right there thanks all for listening this was a fun little ramble pod where we kind of dissect some of the larger implications of the season so anyway we're gonna take a little bit of another break next week we got two bye weeks this year it's not our fault it's the schedule's fault and then we'll hit you up with a reaction pod after the big game against michigan state in the big house your boys samir and i are gonna both be there sending our own yeah i'll have more for bird's eye view than sean (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll hit you up with the sideline reactions in that game for sure anyway go blue and peace out peace out go blue then watch your eyeballs swell. God, you had a trickle stage darkness. When it get dark again, then I'ma spark this.